Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. My name is Michael. Hello everyone, I'm Christoph, Christoph Irwin with Positive Energy. Welcome back. And we're here to talk about the enclosure. Uh, This is going to be a multi-part series, and we're really going to break things down for you in a way that you can understand sort of why enclosures are built the way they are today, and then what are the specific components of an enclosure, and how does that affect your project, and consequently, your lives and your clients' lives. Absolutely. Yeah, so I have a PBS show that I used to be on PBS that I love called uh, Connections with James Burke. It's a great show. And so this introduction is going to be kind of like that. We're going to get into, we're going after talking about enclosures, but I want to kind of frame it with perspective on um, the current state of enclosures right now. So I'll just jump right in. Uh, Starting on enclosures, when we say enclosures, we mean the walls, the roof, the ceiling, the floor, anything that separates the outdoor environment from the indoor environment is gonna make the enclosures. And the enclosure seems to just sit there doing nothing, but that is far from the truth. It is constantly and dynamically regulating heat, air, and moisture flow from inside to out or outside to in. And in so doing, it dramatically affects the condition of the interior space, which is important, right? That's where we are, that's where our families are, that's where our coworkers are. We have goals for the interior space, and those goals are for it to be comfortable. Uh, We would like it to be healthy. Uh, The enclosure itself, since uh, it has that important role, we would like it to be durable. We would like it to have low maintenance. And on top of all this, the the cherry on top, we would like all this to happen in a very energy efficient way. So that's the, the high ideal, the theoretical perfection of enclosure. It does all of those things. Well, tell us a little bit more about the reality of what enclosures are and how they're made these days. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. So as an engineer, well, not as an engineer, but anybody, when you, whenever you're doing anything, there's an organizing principle at work. Let's say you're commuting to work. The organizing principle is getting to work. Let's say you're grocery shopping. The organizing principle is to bring home food for your family. Whatever you're doing, there's some organizing principle. And sometimes the organizing principle is not aligned with uh, long-term goals. And specifically, when it comes to delivering the built environment to ourselves, we as a society have decided, sort of implicitly, that the fundamental organizing principle for delivering buildings is um, speed, repeatability, uh, and price. Really, it's, it's coming down to all about profits. And I guess in that sense, it's a reflection of our society's larger organizing principle around uh, GDP. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So um, what we have is a system of delivering the built environment to ourselves that really started to come to be in the early 1950s, maybe even in the late 40s, the post-war building boom there were new products that actually had been on hand since prior to the war 
um, you know, machines to heat and cool the air and sheet goods, plywood specifically, to use in buildings. And these really came into their own in the 50s when we were building homes, lots and lots of homes. And over the course of time, a process was invented or, or perfected to make this repeatable with relatively unskilled labor and to make it fast and to deliver something that uh, we often joke is sort of like a movie studio set. It sure looks like a home, and as long as it looks enough like a home that someone's going to pay the mortgage or sign their mortgage, then it's, it's fulfilled its mission. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there are a lot of market dynamics at play there because yeah. you have mm-hmm. an infinite number of companies who are <clears throat> developing these products and pushing them into the marketplace right. uh, and convincing whomever they're trying to sell to that that's the product they need because they have their own quarterly revenue goals that they have to meet and they've got to make sure that their shareholders are happy. And so it's not just this process that's sort of dependent upon what is our long-term goal, right? Right. That organizational principle uh, or organizing principle that you mentioned earlier is really strictly centered on on bottom line profits for a lot of companies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? The... All of you listening, me included, and you included, Michael, we are all consumers. You know, we buy living space or lease living space, and we buy mechanical equipment. And there are times in that process where there is no way around it. It's it's about price. I can afford this. It's all about price. And when it becomes all about price, I mean, I'm not against that. I'm not some sort of elitist saying, you know, you can't build in a way that's uh, economically optimized. The big problem is, there's two actually. One is when those practices that are economically optimized, or they're cheap, it's all about making it and delivering you uh, an air conditioning system cheap, right? So the air distribution side of most mechanical systems is a disaster. The building enclosure of most, I drive around Austin here and I watch most homes go up, even big fancy homes, and they're exceedingly ordinary. They're, it's like 1970s technology on both the mechanicals and the enclosure side. But So, so the, what I don't like is when someone builds a $2 million home and what they get is a big version of an exceedingly ordinary home in terms of the wall construction, in terms of the mechanical system. And that, that is not an unusual occurrence because the, the general contractor is hiring contractors who have been, all of whom have been influenced by what has become a de facto norm in our industry, which is an economically optimized system. So I don't think that's okay. I think when someone builds a very nice high-end home, they expect it to be not just a bigger version of an ordinary home uh, with you know, more expensive interior finishes. Maybe that's wrong, but I doubt that that's right, primarily because when someone buys a high-end car, it's not just supposed to just sit in the driveway and look good. It needs to, you know, run in a corner and accelerate and mm-hmm. stop. It doesn't putt-putt around like a Model T, but it looks beautiful. But that's what we have a lot happening today, uh, in, especially in the multifamily environment. They're, I don't know, either owners either don't know or don't care. Um, probably they're passing it on. Some real estate investment trust is going to be the long-term owner. I, I don't really know, but... Okay, so summarizing that, there's, there's two reasons why I don't think those practices are good. One is this, when you're buying a high-end item of any sort, and I'm talking about a home now, when you're buying a high-end home, you expect it to actually have high-end components throughout, not just the aesthetic finishes. 
The second feature of why organizing, the organizing principle um, being economic is not great is that comfort and health, particularly health, are different organizing principles. And just stated bluntly, it's the end of 2015, maybe our New Year's resolution could be to actually enter the 20th century and to no longer consider it okay to use a building enclosure that doesn't take into account how the control layers are functioning. The control layers being these layers that control the environmental separation from inside to outside. And by the end of these, this series of podcasts, you'll have lots of information on what a high-quality control layer looks like. And I'll just tell you now, it's not that much different than what you're doing. It's, it's primarily handing different materials to your trades at different times and possibly teaching them a few key um, new skills to make it right. And just to clarify what we mean when we say control layer, we're talking about one component of the enclosure assembly that handles a specific task, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe mm -hmm. a set of specific right. tasks. Right, or a set of, yes, mm -hmm. that's exactly right. Yeah, so these control layers, they control the exchange of heat, air, and moisture flow from out to in or in to out. Okay, so just to rep go through that again, the, the two organizing principles that I, that I see happening are, well, one organizing principle, and I see two manifestations of it. One is that when, just like a rising tide floats all boats, a cost-optimized uh, average or slightly low-quality um, construction methodology can lower, can, can become the de facto industry norm and lower the construction quality of everything that gets built. And that is happening right now. And then when health and comfort and durability aren't explicitly stated as an organizing principle for delivering the built environment to ourselves, then we don't get that. We well, we don't necessarily get that. We, we might randomly get comfort in certain uh, situations and we might randomly get health in other times of the year and you know, durability as long as it's not too wet out or something. But it's not hard to stand up a building in a way that delivers all the dimensions of performance, health, comfort, safety, durability, energy efficiency, and to do it right. And I think that's important to do. I also think that the perspective is important to realize that the building science industry that we are proud to be a part of is itself uh, it's kind of like Bambi standing up on Bambi legs, right? It's, it's been around for, you know, probably not even quite a hundred years right now. Um, you know, really probably in the sixties, I guess, some of the pioneers um, really started paying attention to the outcomes we get from, from standard construction process and, and trying to understand why and what the building physics was about. In fact, building science in Europe is called building physics. Um, a lot of the initial development that I know about actually comes out of Canada in the, from the 60s and 70s. And a lot of those people are getting up there in years, but they're still around. And companies like ours and people like me, I would... I would guess we're in something like the third generation of building science. Uh, aficionados, consultants, people that just love this stuff. It's still not an industry norm. It's still not a very profitable uh, endeavor. I mean, go, go look at the Positive Energy website, look at the faces of those people that you see there, and you see people that know that this stuff is important and that 
the sense of meaning and purpose that we that we enjoy is um, the reality of it is that's part of our income right now <laughs> is knowing we're doing something meaningful. And you know, there are a lot of uh, I think sort of societal pressures that are that have pushed the marketplace into the state that it's into. Yeah, there's sort of this American ideal that I want to get the most space with the most status for my buck, right? Absolutely. So that's where the McMansion movement came from. I mean, you have these big houses and they're big, but most of them are built with a bottom line in mind. They're not particularly concerned with comfort uh, or, or health because that's really an afterthought, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's only recently that the information is so readily available for folks that there is sort of a, there's a, the scale is tipping yes. toward this movement that requires better construction practices, that requires more integrated processes across the design, the construction phase, uh, and, and there are consulting firms like the one we work for uh, that are doing a good job of trying to tie in the pieces of the building itself that should be integrated. And uh, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be in this industry for sure. Oh, definitely. And, and those of you that are listening, you're almost, we're not almost, we are preaching to the choir here. You guys are early adopters if but implicitly by listening to this podcast you are early on in understanding that a, that a different industry norm is possible and i think that's i guess that's one of the major points of this of going and talking about the enclosures and talking about this introduction on building generally is that for the most part i would bet that that builders and subcontractors don't even realize that what they're doing is delivering um, an outdated technology or, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of a regressive technology today when they're building. They, they just think this is normal. This is just the way homes are built, right? The, the production homes that I used to inspect, um, there's very little shift from that process of putting together a home and sequencing the trades and the same process in the 1950s. Our, our, our society is okay with product-based solutions. And in fact, the whole green building movement right now is um, primarily, or for the most part, it's, it's happy to give you a product replacement solution, meaning, oh, don't use that, that product, replace that product with this product. And that one-to-one -one product replacement, it can do a lot and it's done a lot. It's done. It's time to move on. It is time to think about the process and to think about the core capabilities of the equipment that were, and, and materials and assemblies that we're putting together when we put together a building. And like, let's make our New Year's resolution together right now. It's coming up soon. It's going to be the crazy holiday season. Let's just stop using non-variable capacity mechanical systems. It's going away. Let it go away. And let's stop building enclosures that, that don't work. That, I mean, we're seeing, I guess it's another interesting feature. We are seeing as a consulting shop right now a wave of uh, construction failures, construction defect situations occurring in homes that were built in the 90s through the, even the mid-2000s. Mm -hmm. So what we've had is this situation where construction practices were working until, and I don't, I'm not trying to vilify energy code here because I'm going to say energy code, until energy code radically changed or is seeking to radically change the amount of heat and airflow 
through the walls. So when that changes, heat and airflow are drying functions and they have the ability to let moisture get out. And when they're no longer occurring, that moisture doesn't have a way to get out. And so you can go into a home built in 2006 and there's a lot of mold in it right now uh -huh. today or rot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because that consult, our particular place as consultants who are looking at these construction practices, it's opened our eyes and uh, opened our sort of professional direction toward designing from the outset, right? We want to actually design enclosures and design mechanical systems that are going to work. And so we have this multifaceted business that takes a look at um, existing homes that are not doing so well yeah. now. And we try and offer comprehensive solutions to fix that. Uh, but the ideal is, is getting in at the front of it and really incorporating design think principles with the architect specifically about the enclosure and specifically about the mechanicals and then working with the contractor uh, to make sure that it, it gets installed correctly, making sure that it's doing its job. Exactly. And you can't really let up on either side, right? Mm -hmm. Without one, the other fails. So uh, that's that's sort of our our perspective on this issue. And the reason we wanted to talk about enclosures is because we think we have a pretty good understanding of what a good enclosure is and how to make it. Yeah. And you know, the other, the other piece of that is that we have amazing, uh, I'm very pleased to work with the amazing group of architects and builders that we work with, all of whom are early adopters, all of whom get it. They understand that things are poised to change and they're ready to actually change the process, change the economics from their perspective and spend money on something they didn't used to spend money on. Like who would have thought that a, high-end custom home would have a custom mechanical design. It should, it always should have, but now it does. So we're really grateful that people are doing that. As you said, Michael, we're working on getting out into um, construction administration type work. And there's a lot of this where we're kind of pushing it from the top down into the industry, or it's being pushed from the top down by those of us who get it and, and are, you know, us working together with our our um, clients, the podcast here, what I really hope is that we can start this to be more of a pull from the, the buyer side. I don't know, maybe we should orient some podcasts to buyers, but maybe you guys could forward this to anyone you know that's looking to buy a home because what really needs to happen is when someone goes and buys a home, they say, is this a ventilated rain screen? Um, did you use a non-woven house wrap? on this <laughs> i mean they're the very basic questions we'll get into it in the in the discussion in a minute but um i went to a website recently that that was it was kind of funny where they were using terms they were using you know the the multi-syllable like polyurethane low-density polyurethane perforated mesh that kind of thing they were describing a really low quality house wrap as their marketing message. And I'm reading and I'm like, that's crazy. That's like saying- Because it sounded scientific. Right, yeah. It's like saying, I don't know, this chicken is laden with uh, pesticides and <laughs> hormones, <laughs> you know. My favorite kind of chicken. Yeah. Um, so when, we're, when we have a situation like that, oh, there's another one. There's, there's the classic story, the Alton King story, right? You guys, I don't know if you've heard about it, but if you Google it, let's see if I can spell his name. It went around a few years ago. Oh, I can't find it, but I think it's Alton, A-L-T-O-N, King. Look on Green Building Advisor. 
This guy was a salesman and he sold radiant barrier paint. And uh, this radiant barrier paint had this had this product claim, something like um, you know you paint you paint this on and it's the equivalent of however many inches of insulation. Um, it was flatly false, but he believed his own rhetoric so thoroughly that he instructed his, when he was building his own house in a climate that had winter. <laughs> he instructed them, no, 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 don't put any insulation in this. I'm going to put uh, two layers of paint, one on the inside of the wall, and well, one on the inside surface of the outer wall and one on the outside surface of the inner wall, and then I'll have something like an R12 um, wall without any insulation in it. And the first winter came, and he was very uncomfortable. And you know, his, there's a beautiful picture online, if I remember right, of his attic with the attic floor and the and the underside of the roof coating all painted silver. Um, and it didn't work. He was freezing cold. He sued his builder, you know, who actually had advised him against it. It ended up going through the courts, and I think he ultimately uh, ended up being found at fault, and uh, as he should have been. But the point is that we're in a time of rapid change in the industry, and that, that can be confusing, and we are still stuck in this, you know, some miracle product is going to come along and save us hopeful mindset. That's not the reality. The reality is the process by which we build our homes is going to shift, and the way we live in our homes is going to shift. I mean, the Internet of Things, home energy management systems, these are all potent players. So the other big shift is all of you guys have the Internet at your disposal, and hopefully you can use it like a BS detector and cut through, uh, like for instance, this podcast, right? It's a tool for you to cut through um, a lot of the BS that passes for reality out there. So codes are changing, people's access to information is changing, products are changing, you know, miracles are always hoped for, heat and energy flow through assemblies is changing. And another thing that's changing is this massive proliferation in products, as you, as you said. Michael, that um, it used to be you put felt on the outside of your house, you know, 30-pound felt, which is now number 30 felt, and it doesn't have any uh, bearing to old 30-pound felt. But now we have house wraps, drain wraps, drainage mats, dimple mats. I mean, we'll go through them. We have all these different products and multiple manufacturers, you know, DuPont, Tremco, Polygard, Carlisle, Grace Henry, Dow, right? So these are ones I can just think of off the top of my head. Exact same thing is happening when it comes to thermal control, right? We have, you know, the good old Owens Corning and, and Dow and Johns Manville. And now we have Roxel or all these different mineral wool companies coming on the scene. And we have a lot of polyiso coming on and we have the ability to spray in all sorts of different insulation. It used to be just fiberglass bats. So if you are trying to pay attention to the, the building industry, and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, there's so much to understand and so much to know. Um, you're right, you're paying attention. And the goal of these next four podcasts is going to be to help you not need to memorize your way through this sea of products, but hopefully to come away with a few key words to listen for and a few key concepts to pay attention to so that you can use understanding to help you organize your thinking and not experience information overload. And just as a disclaimer up front, these next podcast episodes are going to discuss inevitably products. And our discussion of these products is coming from a place of objective understanding. We really try to understand 
the math and science behind each one of them and how they behave in the real built environment. So our discussion of them is not an endorsement, but it's also not a slight to these products. They do a, a great job of uh, pushing innovation in the American manufacturing market, and they are the things that finally get installed and make you comfortable at the end of the day. So just know that and uh, know that, like Christoph said, the internet is at your disposal and you are welcome to dig into any of these products specs. They, they welcome it and they are willing to provide those for you. So with that, hope you enjoy the next four episodes and thanks so much for listening. All right, we'll be back talking to you on the next side.